All right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Tennessee won a football game time. How about that time? How about them apples time? Not talking about the Titans time. Bad news, guys. It's Florida week time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Got the fun crew in the house, West Rucker, Patrick Brown, Grant Ramey. Hope everyone's having a good Monday morning, getting their work week started. And if you're a Tennessee fan and you work with non-Tennessee fans, I don't know if you're going to be able to really, um, like, laugh at other people at the water cooler today. But you know what? You can be laughed at a little bit less. Tennessee 45, Chattanooga nothing. Falls took care of business for once. Uh, should be 3-0, but hey, hey, 1-2 and is better than 0-3. Tennessee takes care of the mocks pretty much the same way that it should have taken care of Georgia State. I, I think we can we can safely say. What was that? What was that final score? Of that Georgia State Western Michigan game? I saw it was what, uh, Western Mich- Western Michigan won fifty seven to ten. Ouch! Won it like forty three to ten at halftime. It's a big it, was, yeah. it was bad. That's a big ouchie. Hey, but BYU beat USC. That's true. It works some more overtime magic. Yeah, that that BYU team's got some mojo, man. They did not have the same mojo against Utah, though. So many conflicting transitive properties at work. <laughs> yeah, it's just tough to figure out. Like, I, I know that we talk about the, the transitive property, but before we talk about some better news for Tennessee, I just, I saw that, and I guess this is like, you classify this under, yeah, this sounds like a Tennessee <clears throat> thing. So you're sitting there, you get a 45 nothing win, things are looking pretty good. Then, hey, BYU goes out there, beats USC, and you're thinking, hey, all right, this isn't so bad. And then you see that Georgia State is down 43-10 to 10 at halftime well, at Western Michigan, and you go, what in the world was that two weeks ago? But we need to tread lightly here because we're supposed to be talking about a win. It's supposed to be feel-good pod. Yeah, feel-good time. And positive then we're talking vibe. about how Georgia State lost a game by 47 points to a Mac Positive team. vibes only. <laughs> positive vibes only? It's the motto I live my life by. Okay, so we'll just forget what Georgia State did on Saturday night. We'll talk about what Tennessee did Saturday afternoon. Hold uh, on, Gray just said he's Mr. Positivity, and he trying. was texting us Sunday during the Bears game saying, overtime loss coming. <laughs> Feel he, it in my bones. Yeah. He, he, he doubted Mitchell Trubisky and the NFL referees. And then I was still mad after they won. <laughs> Yeah, that pick, that, that's like the pick that keeps on giving for the, for the Bears. I'm not really sure how that Trubisky pick's working out so well but it's working out like a bear trap on your ankle it's what it's working out like blood everywhere it's so bad it's so bad bunk beds were a terrible idea i can say that however that the titans had a worse sunday than the bears yeah they did that was um man gracious that was that was like starting with the fire that's like the way that like the vols would lose a game the way that the what is the, it? the titans lost what that is game. it with the fire and the state of see, somebody somebody football games and bad omens somebody tweeted <laughs> Uh, a picture of whatever that thing was that, that was on fire at the Titans game at Nissan Stadium next to the picture of the boat uh, at the Vol. Now, we shouldn't make fun of the boat being on fire because there were people on it. But they got out safe. No, nah, they did. They did. They got out fine. We can laugh about it now. Can if, we, though? If you can afford a boat, you can afford the insurance on it. I'm sure they're going to be okay. <laughs> Nobody got hurt. I'm sure they can all swim. It's okay. I'm not I'm, I'm not trying to be the fun police here, but I'm no, just saying. I, I do think, though, that it's... Um, that if, like, for instance, like the Grizzlies, let's say there's like a car burning outside of uh, 
FedEx form before a big game this year. Tread lightly. Let's go ahead and about call Ja Morant. Let, right let's here. go ahead and call that one a loss. Like if you whatever, slander Ja, if I there, will come over. If there. if there are cars burning outside FedEx form, uh, Ja will get a or, get or, a hose or, and spray him off and save everyone. Or Bridgestone Arena for the bread. We've we now see we now see where this is going. This means loss. Uh, but you know what? No boats, as far as I could tell, were burned. Uh, Saturday morning on the the Tennessee River. Maybe people didn't get a chance to light things on fire for that noon kick, kegs and eggs. Uh, But Tennessee did what it needed to do. Uh, Everyone knows the opponent, and everyone knows that, you know, say what you will about Georgia State. Chattanooga's a team that doesn't have as much talent as as Georgia State. And and, and so so Tennessee needed to win that game. Tennessee probably could have played about the worst game imaginable and still won that game. But the fact that Tennessee – from very literally the opening kickoff of the game, went out there, took care of business. Ty Chandler, big kickoff return. Five, six plays later, they're in the end zone. Then you see uh, three and out, and then there's a, a block punt that's returned for a touchdown. Uh, and then uh, a couple plays later, boom, another uh, big pick uh, or big play by the defense. This time, Nigel Warrior, big interception return. Three plays later, ball's back in the end zone. 21 nothing in less than seven minutes, and Tennessee has done – exactly what it should have done in the first game of the season, which is kind of put the opponent down before it thought it could rise up and, and beat them. Yeah, I mean, Jeremy Pruitt was asked after the game about the, the quicker start, and he pointed out that on the second play of the Georgia State game, you know, they have a fumble uh, and basically give Georgia State seven points right out of the gate. And, I mean, Tennessee never let Chattanooga breathe the first half of the first quarter. It was big play off the kickoff, touchdowns, and they, they get two more scores, one off the special teams play. Uh, another one set up by the defense. So uh, they came out and took care of business, and that's what coaching staffs, I mean, they, they like to do that in these games is to, to get up early and, and sort of empty the bench and give some young guys uh, a little bit extra playing time. Tennessee was able to do that because they were able to get up so fast. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's frustrating if you're a Tennessee fan because you're wondering why, why couldn't they have done this two weeks ago. I mean, the BYU game is what it is. You know, BYU might be a decent team. That was a, a game that Tennessee still gave away, but, uh, you know, that, that wasn't a – they were favored in that game. It was a close game. You know, it, it was a close spread. So, it didn't need to be a close I mean, game, but it was. That game, you know, I think everybody said going into the season that game could have gone either way. But uh, these other two games, uh, Tennessee kind of put the example uh, against Chattanooga of how you're supposed to play these games. And then against Georgia State, they did the exact opposite. And uh, and that's why, I mean, frankly, they, they should be 3-0, and but reality is they're not. And uh, they're trying to dig themselves uh, dig themselves out of a hole uh, after this last after this, this one right. or two start. There was basically nothing they could do Saturday that wouldn't be followed with a but what happened the first two weeks. And that I mean they And it's their own fault for that. Right, exactly. They they made this bed and they I mean, forty five to nothing is kind of a, a perfect scenario in that kind of game and jumping out twenty one to nothing. Uh, and not only that, but blocking a punt and scooping it up and scoring and, and finally becoming a defense that took the ball away uh five times. Yeah, five times, four interceptions and uh, just being opportunistic and, uh, you know, Jerry Garantano probably should have been picked off on the first pass attempt. And after that, he goes seven for seven for 142 yards and three touchdowns and, and threw some nice balls. And, and they did what they needed to do against a team like Chattanooga. And, but like Patrick said, there's, there's, you, you wonder what could have been if they had taken care of business earlier in the season, but you know, they didn't, here they are. And, and now they need to uh, try to kind of keep rewriting the stuff that's already been written. And, yeah, t- Tennessee was able to, to play a, a lot of people. I think I think it, the number was 31 
defensive players recorded at least one defensive statistic in the game, whether that's a you know a tackle or a hurry or or you know anything along those sorts of fumble recovery. Thirty one, I think, guys had at least one defensive statistic and, in and, the game, and thirty two, if you want to say that Elijah Simmons had one of the uh, he, he checked off the box of looking like a a big menace on the field. Correct. Well, if there was a categ- <laughs> we'll, we'll get to the freshman later. If there was but, yeah. a category for for looking sexy, he's just going to tick that box every week. That that that, that kid, man, I'm telling you, that that, that kid, I, I, that kid. I, I pointed out to you in the press box when he came in the game. I was like, Wes, Wes, look at the football. Yeah, because I'm. You're like, oh yes. And then he Audibly. got. And then he came off the field on third down. And I was like, come on, big guy can rush the passer. You can dunk the ball. You can rush the passer. But you know, he got in there, and we're going to speak a lot in the second segment about what some of those guys did with. Their 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 extended run basically, you know, you, you got quarterbacks and you know Maurer in there for the the third series of the game, and and he and and um, and uh, Shroud both played uh, throughout the game, and and so we'll talk a little bit more about those newcomers and those young guys in the second segment. But I think what was important, and I think this is this matters no matter who you're playing, and you can throw all the caveats out there you want. You're not going to be wrong, but I don't think you'll be telling the whole story if you don't mention the fact that Tennessee went out there and did what it was supposed to do, and it did that in a game where you wondered where the Vols were going to be mentally going into the game. Because we can sit here all day long and say, oh, there's still 10 games to go and all this. Yes, that is all true. But when you are supposed to win your first two games, you lose your first two. The first one is one of the most embarrassing moments in the program's history. It's fair to wonder, is everyone there going to be on the same page? Is everyone going to be invested? Because I think we all thought – you know, they go down to Florida, they're going to be amped up to play that game. Doesn't matter what's happened before, you go to Gainesville, SEC opener, you know, new page, new, new, new blank slate right there. So you can, you, can, you can make the argument there. This Chattanooga game was very much a... You're calling it a trap game is what you're about to do. Not just that, because they were going to win it no matter what, but it was kind of a would-they-care game. Would they go out there, you know, would fans care? And there were a fair amount of fans at the game, which, which was nice to see. Uh, but I, I do think that it was fair to wonder what they were going to go out there and do. And Tennessee, from the the very literally the very opening kickoff of the game, showed that it cared. Now, what does that mean? You don't get a trophy for that. You're supposed to do that. But when you don't know going into a game what you're going to expect, even Tyler Bird you know, asked him after the game, did you expect you all to come out and be that focused? And he basically said, I didn't really know. <laughs> and he just kind of came out and admitted that. He goes, I don't know if I expected us to be that focused early on, but but they were. And it was offense, defense, and special teams. It was good old-fashioned complimentary football. They did what they needed to do, and they started it the right way. And it shows to me, anyway, that they're not done yet. They're not They're not quitting. Yeah, I thought Jeremy Pruitt had some interesting comments sort of about the game, uh, after the game, about the win and, and you know, did they need a win? What it, you know? What can I do for the team's confidence? He pointed out that this was just their tenth win in the last two plus seasons. Uh, and then, then he started talking about how, for a lot of the older guys on this team, they haven't won a whole lot, and so you're, you're having to sort of develop that and, and develop sort of the hunger to win and having to know how to win. And uh, and I thought he made an interesting comment that you know, again too, that a lot of his freshmen, a lot of these these newcomers, have come from winning programs and are used to winning. I mean, we talked to Henry Toto last week and. He played at De La Salle, which is a California. You mean Toto? Toto, yes. According, yes. Pruitt speak Toto. He blessed the ranks uh, down in Africa. 
<laughs> yes, uh, he he helped Dorothy get home from he he, he was from Oz. He, he really helped him hold the line. <laughs> um, he rode in the basket on the back of the bicycle <laughs> or on the front of the bicycle. Uh, where was I going with this? Yes, he said. He, and, and you know, we talked to him last week, and he played at De La Salle. I mean, they're they're a powerhouse out in California. He probably lost I don't not very many games during his career there, and so yeah, uh, a lot of these guys, a couple of them were on state championship teams in Georgia last season, and. They get to their first, they get to their college, uh, get start their college careers, and they're zero and two. It's probably a little, little bit new territory for him. So, um, and, and he kind of talked about how he hates losing. He sort of didn't say it right, uh, but he says that losing, losing needs to bother you, and that you know he, he can't sleep after they lose. He said he's miserable in the complex, makes people around him miserable, does the same at home. Which his his wife always watched his post game press conference. And yeah. I think she she giggled loudly when yeah a little bit of a giggle. <laughs> giggle there was that, a but, giggle slash snort there and there. She but, she she laughed pretty good. At but that I one. was thinking about the, those comments while I was watching Florida Kentucky on Saturday night, and and Florida got outplayed for most of that game. Yet you know they lose their quarterback. You would think a team would fold at that point after watching Felipe Franks break his you know snap his leg and best wishes to him because that was pretty gruesome but it was, it was gross uh it, it, and Florida just they found they found a way to win they found a way to win a lot of games last season uh and, and that's sort of where Tennessee needs to get to somehow and that's what maybe the biggest hurdle uh that they're trying to uh, that this staff and this this uh this regime is having to do is sort of get it get Tennessee to where even when they don't play well they find a way to win yeah, there was a couple games. But this is a game they played well, and, and, and certainly they, they got the, the outcome that they deserved. Um, and that, as you said, Wes, that was a, a good sign that they came out because you did wonder, you know, that BYU loss had to take a lot out of them because they played well enough to win it for 59 minutes and 40 seconds. So uh, yeah. it was fair to wonder, given where they were, how they would show up, and, and they showed out and, and came out firing and put the game away early. Well, you talk about teams that, that know how to win and don't know how to win. You saw that with Florida in that game because that Florida team as a program, it's not been quite what it has been before, but it didn't spend as much time being mediocre as Tennessee did. So there were still some guys in that program who could remember good football and and were able to kind of keep that tradition going. Uh, At Tennessee, you're talking about a prolonged period here of being mediocre at best. And, And when you go through that, I think the South Carolina game last season was a pretty good example. And I think the BYU game this year was a great example of a team or a program that just does not know how to win. Because when you play, uh, not perfectly, but as well as Tennessee did against BYU, uh, against a team that you probably have a little bit more talent than at home, that's a game you have to win. Like, that's a game that you, Tennessee could have played a much worse overall game and still found a way to win that game. But what Tennessee did was it left a bunch of points on the field offensively, made one bad mistake defensively, and then the kind of lack of depth and the momentum just went the other way in overtime. And what you get is a game where you should have won and you lost. And we saw that against South Carolina last year where they played so well for so much of that game. You know, that was Tyson Helton was, was calling plays left and right that were just beautiful, just great design, good execution in a lot of ways. They should have won that game, and they didn't. And then they go the BYU game and they didn't win. And that's why I wrote after the BYU game that to me, all the mojo was just gone, is just gone from that program. They have to basically rebuild this thing and figure out how to win. When you've won 10 times in three years, you don't know how to win. It's not your fault necessarily. You just don't know. You don't have seniors and juniors on that team who have, who have been winning football games in college and know how to basically carry the team. They know what they need to do. They know how to manage a game. They know how to keep calm. Tennessee just 
was a bunch of spazzes against BYU in moments where they didn't need to be, and you saw that. You saw that against Georgia State when they panicked. When that game, when they saw, oh, no, this is going to be a fight, they panicked, and they just didn't know how to win. So that, to me, is why anytime you can go out there, I don't care who you're playing, you can play Chattanooga, you can play Chattanooga Howard High School. You play whoever you want. You go out there for 60 minutes and you play a football game and you have more points than the other team. That is something you can learn from. And they always say you win, you learn through losses, yada, 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 whatever. You also learn through wins. You learn how to win. And I think that's something that Tennessee absolutely needed because this is a team that should be 3-0 and it's 1-2. and Or But you know what? That's better than 0-3. And now they've learned how to win a little more and they can go on. I think it matters. It 100% matters, and you need it because over the years, what, what game, what, what team has had their number more than Florida has had their number and made them look like they just don't know how to win in those big moments more than Florida has, you know, aside for what, once over the past, you know, how many yeah, years? I mean, Butch Jones should have been, what, 4-1 and one against right, Florida, and right. he was 1-4. and four. And that's not to say they're going to go down to, to Florida and, and win as a two touchdown underdog. They were, you know, they were bigger underdogs at Auburn last year. They were they were underdog, underdogs at home against Kentucky uh, in November. They won those games. But I mean, if there's one way to kind of hit reset on a season and and the first two games being what they are and, and trying to move on, it's Florida. And and if you're going to go down there, you need to be coming off of a, a good game. And and they came off a good game. Yeah, and then that that. Going down there and winning could inject so much more life back into this program that maybe has, I don't want to say been lost, but uh, it could inject just so much more energy and positivity if they could go down there and pull it off. But uh, that's, you know, we, we keep talking uh, talking about what, what Tennessee's got next with the schedule. They're going to have a lot of games like that where, I mean, there'll be a couple games where they, they, they will be overmatched, let's Correct. be honest. You know, they play Georgia and Alabama. But, uh, you know, you, you beat Mississippi State at home, you beat South Carolina at home, those are chances for – for you to sort of get your footing back, and obviously, you know, going to Florida, that's going to be a, t- a tough game for them. But like Grant said, you they needed a game where everyone could go out and play well and make some plays and, and put some stuff on film and feel good about themselves. And and uh, and we've heard, we, you know, we've heard players say this a lot. It's always easier to get back up and go back and start the next week coming off a win, no matter who you beat. Yes, I mean, it's just so much easier to do it. You're feeling good about yourselves. Everybody's patting you on the back. Um, and now, you know, yeah, it was Chattanooga, but again, it's the first win of the season. So, you know, they needed to get that sort of taste in their mouth. And, and I think that'll help them sort of go into, uh, into this next week with, with some energy and with some focus. And that's why people said that, that did Garantano get enough reps in the game? I think he played the perfect amount. And, and the reason I, I say that is because, um, you know, even in those eight passes, the first one could have been intercepted. The last one he threw could have been intercepted, but the, the bottom line is, he threw eight passes. He completed seven of them. Six of them got first downs or touchdowns, and, and three were touchdowns. So that is a pretty good day at the office, and he admitted after the game, I thought, you know, we've seen this from Garantano before. He will go out there and be kind of surprisingly candid sometimes, and he will he will open up and say, yeah, these past two weeks have been about as bad as I've ever felt. And he admitted his confidence was low. He admitted things were getting to him, and he admitted that regardless of the opponent, he needed to have a day like Saturday. He needed to have it, and they got him out of the game at the right time, and, you know, his last pass was a touchdown pass. He got to do some good things, and maybe he can pick his head up a little bit now and, and kind of get back in rhythm a little bit because we saw last year that this is a guy who was capable of being a, a pretty decent quarterback on a pretty decent football team. Uh, now he's also capable of, of being much worse than that, but we've seen him do this before, and if you've done something in your career, you can do it again. 
and I think they needed him to go out there and get some confidence back, and he did that because, I mean, he, you know, that that touchdown pass to Jawan Jennings, you know, he had a kind of a pocket was collapsing there. He kind of had to, to, to wiggle out there and kind of buy some time and then throw a dart back across his body, and he, he made some nice plays. And I don't care who you're playing, that's important, and I think Tennessee needed him to walk into the, the complex on Monday morning feeling a little bit better about himself, and I think maybe now he will regardless of the opponent. I think it matters for, for, for a guy like him. And it, it's hard to walk the line between do you give him enough reps, how many reps do you need to give up your backups. I mean, obviously, the numbers he put up, the way Tennessee played that game, it was never really going to be in question after those first five minutes. Uh, and, you, I mean, you have to have – you have to be ready. You don't want to go to Florida and throw Maurer on the field or J.T. Shrout and have no idea what you're going to get from him. I don't think you really know what you're going to get from him after Chattanooga, but at least they've kind of been thrown in the fire a little bit. At least you kind of have a sense of maybe they're ready or maybe they're not. Uh, and, and I think Garantano, I don't know, he says all the right stuff. I assume he has a – he said you're going to need a backup quarterback eventually, I guess, because he knows the physicality of this league and all that stuff. But, you know, yeah, I mean, three, three SEC's quarterbacks have been lost for the right, year already. Right, right, and, and we're sitting here on September or whatever it is, 15th. I mean, that's crazy, and, and it is what it is. It's That's kind of the, the world we live in right now, and – you better be ready to go uh, when your number's called because your number's probably going to be called at some point. I think we're going to step away here. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk a little bit more about the the guys that we saw, the young guys who were able to go in there and do some things in the game because, you know, Tennessee, the starters go out there and do what they needed to do. They made some plays. You know, a guy like Daniel Batuli came back, which was huge for Tennessee. Um, I don't care what Jeremy Pruitt says. They just they line up better when when Batuli's out there. You, you know that guy will sit there and go yell at all ten guys on the defense to make sure they're standing in the right spot. And you don't see a lot of other guys doing stuff like that. So it it, it matters having a guy like him back. Uh, and I think it was good for him to get some some game speed reps, even if he's not a hundred percent. It's good to go out there and get some reps before you go and play Florida. Uh, even though it'll be quiet there, so it might be actually easier for him to to kind of call signals next week at Florida, being a defensive player on the road, but. There's a lot of important things about this game. One of them uh, was the way that they needed to get some confidence back for the for the vets. And, and another really important thing was they absolutely needed to get some some young guys to come out and do some things. So we're gonna we're gonna pay some bills, go check out some product services, all those things. We're gonna get Pat to stop yawn in here, and then we're gonna come back and uh, talk a little bit more football. Hashtag. Ad. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever product, services, and in-house ads you just heard uh, during that commercial break. Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown, Grant Ramey coming to you here from Fort Rucker Studio. Hope you're having a good Monday morning, uh, if that's when you're listening to this, or a good Monday afternoon. Maybe you, you want to just get through Monday morning and, and then you listen to the podcast on Monday afternoon. Maybe we're your Monday commute home. Uh, may, maybe Monday just sucks and you just, you just want to, you know, we, we get your Tuesday morning started. So if it's a good if it's Tuesday morning, hope it's a good Tuesday morning. Whenever you're listening to this, hope things are going all right for you wherever you are out there in Podland, guys. Tennessee, forty-five nothing winners over Chattanooga on 
Saturday, and uh, a lot of a lot of guys played. Uh, you saw a lot of guys on offense doing some things. You saw thirty-one guys on defense record at least one statistic defensively. Uh, thirty-two if you count the sexiness of, of Elijah Simmons. So there was a lot of stuff going on there, and we're gonna start with the quarterbacks because that's who everybody wanted to see. And if anyone's sitting there saying, "Hey, uh, you know, Garantano, they can probably do better than him." Uh, we've been trying to say that that might not be the case, that just because things don't look good with Garantano doesn't mean they might not be worse with somebody else. And I think we saw some promise from both Brian Maurer and from JT Shrout, uh, but we also saw a lot of mistakes. And and I think it's interesting, Pruitt just does not want to name one of these guys the backup. And he said that despite the fact that, you know, last week Maurer goes out there first um, or looks like he's going to go out there when Garantano, you know, has his uh, shoe thrown across the field by a BYU defensive lineman, odd job from uh, from Bond, basically throwing shoes out there. Um, but you know that guy uh, went out there first, and then Pruitt said, "No, no, 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 no." Mauer, he just he just wanted to go out there. He did his own thing. Did his own thing there. You know, I, I kind of like seeing it. V- the, vigilante wh- substitution. Yeah, whether that's true or not, that's what he said. And then Maurer comes out for the third series in, in, in the Chattanooga game, and, and Pruitt confirmed that was the plan. But then he said that the plan had been in the previous two games that Shrout would have been the first one in there if they needed to go that direction, but they wanted to use some stuff with Maurer's legs in this game. So uh, whatever all that means, uh, Tennessee still apparently does not know or will not admit who the number two quarterback is. Bottom line is um, both guys, I think we can see why they're behind Garantino. I'm going to say it again, Garantano. You need like a we need like a rubber band to wear our arms and like you, you flick yourself in the wrist every time. I'm you sticking say. to Garantano. JG. I, he wants his name pronounced correctly. I, I think you know. Pronounce I mean, it JG. You got it. That works. That works. I mean, as much as they talked about Maurer's legs, I think that one of the quickest ways to fix a flawed football team, college football team, is have a running quarterback. Yes, easiest way. Uh, and they talk about his four six speed and and kind of what he did in high school with his legs and he's he's the best athlete out of the group. Well, he didn't run very well against Chattanooga. And if you can't run against the SoCon defense, didn't have a five yard touchdown run. Yeah, but I mean, you, you're gonna have to do more than that. To, I mean, you know, I think Garantano could have a uh, Tano could have a five yard touchdown run. I didn't pronounce it JG right there. So that's Tano 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 Tano. Uh, and when Shrout was in, I mean, when, when Pruitt talked about it last week at, at quarterback club, he said Shrout does the right thing seventy five percent of the time on the practice field, and he does the other twenty five percent of the time he's making mistakes that get you beat in games. Uh, it looks like he was kind of going through his progressions and targeting the right people. He was a little bit early on a couple throws, and, and there's a little bit of a, a timing issue there. But um, honestly, I expected more from Maurer's legs. If, if you could still have a sub package where you think you could take advantage of his athleticism, I would say do that. Uh, otherwise, I, I didn't really come away with that uh, from that game thinking this guy is better than the other guy. I kind of understand why. Uh, they're just kind of both there right now, and, and they don't really have a, a definitive number two or – even if they're just not going to say it. Should, should say, though, that Shrout, for all intents and purposes, did have a turnover in the game. Tennessee technically didn't have any, but that's because uh, a, a, basically a roughing the passer penalty uh, wiped away what should have been an interception. And there should have been a holding on that play because uh, Brandon Kennedy just grabbed the guy's jersey. It was like David Louise against that, is Liverpool. It, is, that, is that illegal? No, it's, it's very illegal. I don't know how it was missed because we were sitting in the press box very high up, and we saw it. I mean – I about pulled his. It was it was one of those old tearaway jerseys. It might have ripped off. Yeah, that, the, <laughs> and it was right for the quarterback. So I don't know how the general Nealon special tearaway. Jerseys. I don't know how eight officials 
did not see that. But how, how were tearaway jerseys a thing? Like, wh- who thought like, yeah, this will be a good idea? I actually think it was uh, what wasn't it General Neyland who invented those? No way, really. I think it might have been. I thought they were still playing on wool back in those days. I, I might need to go back and 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 check that. I thought that this was a, more like that. Uh, might be a hundred percent wrong, but I think he was late seventies, early eighties. I just I don't know who. I think he's one of the people who had the ideas, but uh, who thought let's let's make a jersey that tears off like a paper towel. They make all they, they, they make that'll all be a, that'll be a good call. They make all kinds of sense if you're on offense because if someone tries to pull you by it, it just tears away. Well, one of BYU's players, uh, I think, had a rip in his jersey. That's why he had like a number five with no name on the back of it, and it looked very odd. You know, it kind of looked a little bit like the uh, jerseys that Tennessee put Jerome Carvin and Riley Locklear in. Yeah, ninety eight, ninety nine. It looked like they got those off the target, like. Clearance rack. Yeah, when they became uh, when they became tight and eligible ninety eight <laughs> and tight and eligible ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. Th- there's all kinds of all, all kinds of interesting things there from both of those guys. But I to me, I think what Pruitt said about Shroud, I've never seen any reason to believe that's not the case because I've said this before. I'll probably say this again and, until this changes. You go watch. You know when when Shroud was a prospect in in high school. Everyone had a different opinion of him, right? Everyone, you, people. Some people were saying this is a future NFL quarterback, and some people were saying, "Why does any Division One program want this kid?" And it completely depends on exactly which day and exactly which throw you're watching him. Because when you watch all those guys spin the ball out there, he spins the ball as well as anybody on the team. He can throw any pass into any window he, from any angle. He has got an absolute. Absolutely fantastic arm. But it's a little bit of a spray rocket arm right now. Yeah. You never really quite know where it's going to go. And I think right now he's like the pitcher in the minor leagues. It's got a fastball, and that's it. Like yeah. he throws 96, but it moves a lot, and there's there's no curveball. There's no off-speed pitch that he can depend on yet. I mean, I, this, this might – That might be a crappy analogy. Well, I don't know. This will probably sound worse than I want it to sound, but there are times where – I don't know any other way than to be honest. There are times where if if – I've seen Shrout throw a pass, and I've had to legitimately sit there for a few minutes or at least a few seconds and say, who was he throwing that ball to? Like, who was that supposed to go to? Normally you see an incomplete pass, you're like, oh, he threw it behind him or he put too much air under it. He's thrown some passes where I've gone, I just don't know who he was aiming for there uh, because that's how, that's how inaccurate he can be sometimes. But then you watch him, and for a couple minutes, he will hit every single throw beautifully. So that makes sense to me. He's a guy who just, I would have a, if, if I were to put him in the game right now, I would be really, really nervous about where the ball was going because he, he might go out there and, you know, go seven for seven with two touchdowns and you go, man, look at this guy. And then he'll, you know, have like a Nate Peterman Florida special where you just go, oh no, oh no, oh no. That, that to me is, is the deal there. Mauer, it was tough to tell because, they wanted him to run a little bit more. They had some different things in there for him, uh, but I, I didn't. I, I wasn't really wowed by him either. I mean, I, I think we now safely can say this. It, this is why Tennessee has never even thought about going with anyone other than Garantano, regardless of what's going on. Out yeah, there. I, I think the two takeaways for the two quarterbacks is first of all, neither of them really are ready. I mean, neither yeah. of them look like uh, uh, they would be ready to go in and handle. Um, handle the business. Handle the business. And, and Tennessee fans are probably wondering why that's the case when they see uh, these backup quarterbacks elsewhere. You know, Ryan Holinsky at South Carolina is playing pretty well. Uh, Kyle Trask came in against Florida, although that's a different situation because Trask has been there. This is his fourth year. Yeah, Trask, it seems like he's um, like 
38 years and, old. Somehow that he, kid's never seen the sun in the state of Florida. He's also he's never that. seen the transfer portal, which you know is why? really bizarre. You know why? Because he watches film. Because he watches film. That's all he does. He watches film. shine in the film room. Mississippi State's got a backup quarterback, too. That guy went flying through the air trying to convert him fourth and 16. So... Uh, I get some of that frustration. But the other thing, and, and it takes me back to something that Chris Winkie said early on in preseason, is that these two guys are apparently very different people. Uh, people and, and very different quarterbacks. I think you saw a little bit of that, and, and Pruitt touched on it after the game when uh, I asked him about why they went with Mauer so early, and he said that they wanted to get some quarterback run stuff in there. Uh, if, if something happens to Garantano and, and Tennessee season is left in these guys' hands, uh, first of all, I think they will play both. Yes, they. Um, I, I've and, seen, and there will by be, one week. I, I can tell you that. And there will be like a there. I don't. I don't know what Jim Cheney has in 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 the coaches booth. I don't know if he's got like a folder, a, a binder, a, a trapper keeper. I don't know. Yes, trapper keeper. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 they pencil tape, case. Yeah, they they <laughs> yes. they tape up he'll, that window. We don't see a lot. But he'll have like he'll have like a stat. He'll have like a little playbook for 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 Maurer plays, which will include you know zone reads. Uh, quarterback sweep like he took on the t- like he had on the touchdown. There'll be some of that to it. There'll be you know rollouts that sort of give him run pass option, simplify the game for him, give him just half the field to look at. Uh, and Shroud will be a little bit more pocket pass, a little bit more like they they do with Garantano, where they're not really asking him to run a whole lot. So uh, I think we learned that from the game. Uh, I, I've heard and continue to hear that that the staff sort of likes Mauer's sort of moxie and ability to sort of make things happen with his running and, and his mobility. Uh, he he maybe he's a little bit crazy legs, Grant. I know you said he would. You know he, he had a scramble and, and no, nah, he's got some wiggle to him. He he channeling yeah. his inner Casey Claus on on his first on his first series. There was that that third long and uh, he he tucked the ball down and ran. And I bet he was thinking probably about just past it after he got past the line of scrimmage. He's probably thinking, oh, I got this first down. <laughs> and then people close a lot faster, even at the FCS level, than they do in, in high school, college, Orlando area football. Is that where he's from? Oh, isn't he from Ocala? Yeah. That's Orlando-ish. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, that that's – I think he brings the element to it where, you know, if, if Tennessee ultimately ends up with those two guys as their guys, um, then, you know, you have that element where it, you can tell him, Brian, if there's nothing open, try to make something happen with your legs. But, keep, yep. you know, that that's an element that, that Shroud doesn't have. And A lot of scramble drill but, practice. A lot of scramble drill and, practice. And I thought, I thought he threw the ball. Uh, he did have uh, – I think he one-hopped Keaton – uh, Rimmel Keaton on a, on a rollout, and his only other pass was a pretty good deep ball that Keaton probably should have come down with. It was a 50-50 ball, but mm-hmm. uh, Shroud had a couple. Again, he's he's only got the fastball right now to me. He, he's not developed the other – he's not developed much touch or finesse on the ball, and so uh, – and and he's been erratic. We see it in practice. They'll they'll throw five five-yard outs in a row, and he'll – Hit four of them on target, and then the other one will be ten, you know, five yards over the guy's head. Yeah, so, there, there was that one kind of flag rider, wherever it was, where he just he threw it probably seven yards short, like it was just yeah, like to, whoosh, to, was, to Tillman. He one hopped it to him, and then and then he came back and uh, he he threw one right past Brandon Johnson's ear hole. Yeah, <laughs> on on a seam. Uh, I don't know if I, I don't know if Johnson should turn around sooner or if or if, if if Shroud just put too much mustard on that one. And he should have gotten down. That was a fire in the hole moment. <laughs> they could have taken his head off. And then he, then he came back with a couple more. Good throws to Brandon Johnson on a comeback route. They hit one of them, the other one went through Johnson's hands. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think you saw with these two guys why they're not ready yet. And, and and I know you were throwing some shade at me on Twitter on Saturday night about I, – I asked Pruitt. I don't think it was me. I think it was the head football coach at the University of Tennessee, <laughs> Jeremy Pruitt, who was throwing some shade. Yeah, so I asked Pruitt about, you know, just how Garantano's handled this week. And, and this was – and Garantano came out after, after this and – was pretty open about how it's been tough on him and how you know he's had some tough times and had to 
rely on his you know kind of support staff and yep, you should I, should I play that audio because no I can, you shouldn't I mean, and, I, and, I and Pruitt was like you guys give yourselves a lot of credit don't you and probably more credit than you deserve we don't listen to you is basically what he said you all high mighty on your throne <laughs> over there uh, and, and I'm sure there were some people that were like oh he's you know he's trying to get mad at the media I don't I don't think that that was the case I'm, that I don't, wasn't what it was I'd like I'd, to make fun of you and say it was but that's not what it was I, I, and I never I never thought he was coming at me or anything I, I don't think anybody. You know, seriously, in the media has been saying that they should change quarterbacks. I think that's been a lot of. You got that question on ball calls. Yeah, he, he got it multiple times on ball calls. The lady said, uh, "You going to shove the starter out of the way?" <laughs> <laughs> he's been getting. He's been getting the more starting quarterback questions. He's been getting starting quarterback questions for two weeks on that now. Um, but they've never. I mean, he tried to come out in last Monday of last week and kind of shut it down. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, and and Garantana, to his credit, was pretty open, and we kind of touched on it just of, of how these past two weeks have been and how he's trying to get back to, to being himself, and and he was able to get some confidence and, um, play better, you know, than than he did in the first two games. Feel good, you know, feel a little bit better about himself, and they were able to get these guys um, some some reps that they were hoping to get them in the first two games that really weren't. So for me now, it, now it, it just. It, I mean, it, it already sort of made sense before. Now it makes 100% sense exactly why you've seen Jeremy Pruitt try to build this relationship with Garantano, why he's come out and defended him pretty, you know, ferociously every time he's been asked about him this season. It's because he knows he needs that guy. I, I think to me it's like he knows, well, I need this guy to be confident. This guy needs to walk into every room feeling like he's 10 feet tall and bulletproof because uh, – just he's got to be confident, or else this this is gonna this is gonna suck. So I think he kind of knows that. Um, but I think w- there was a lot of stuff with the quarterbacks, and that's what everybody wants to talk about. But I think there were a couple other guys uh, who did stand out to me. One guy who I was kind of happy to see, and and wasn't really shocked that he played pretty well, uh, was Cedric Tillman, redshirt, redshirt freshman wide receiver from Las Vegas. There, the powerhouse Bishop Gorman High School uh, kid, six three, two fifteen. Uh, he's he's always been a, a pretty good looking receiver in practice. Uh, he he's, he got some people excited last season, and. You saw again during that game, hey, this kid, this kid can make some plays. You saw him kind of stretch the field and, and take a shot and catch a touchdown pass. Then you saw him make three guys miss on a, on a fourth and eight pass and, and move the yeah, sticks. That, that was really the, uh, the the surprising play with me with Tillman because I've always thought he was sort of a, I don't want to say a jump ball guy, but he's more of a power four. He's not, I didn't think he had a lot of uh, miss you, you know, make guys miss sort of about him. And I think I might have even said when he caught the ball, I was like, he's not going to make these guys miss. Yeah. Uh, and he made three guys miss. Now those are three FCS guys. Can he do it against SEC defensive backs? And you know some of these secondaries, you know, like Georgia and Alabama, they like never miss tackles barely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so can you do that against against the big boys? We'll see. But I do think Tillman, I think he and Keaton are sort of next in line in the in the uh, receiver rotation. They they seem to get a little bit of run uh, once you get past the, the three starters and then Brandon Johnson too. But uh, Keaton got a couple a couple targets. Still, didn't, I think he had one fifty fifty ball that he should have come down with and didn't. Uh, and then he had another catch, another ball from Shroud that went off his fingertips that was intercepted. And that throws a little high, but yeah. that's a catch he can make. But uh, again, good chance for him to get out there and do a little bit more than, and for Tillman too. Both those guys, a little chance to get them out there and run some routes and catching some passes. Because uh, I think in the first two games is when they've primarily when they've primarily been out there, it's been running plays. Yeah, I, I thought he looked pretty good. Um, I thought it was nice to see Princeton Fant catch a pass and, and do some stuff with it. You saw him get off the there. milk carton. Yeah, uh, back off the milk carton and into your hearts. He he got about 18 yards there on a catch. Uh, I thought he did some some nice things. Um, we even got to see some guys like Jackson Lambley get out there and, and play guys who because of this because of this new rule, the, the, they can play in games like this and they can still redshirt after the season. So that's that's good to see. Was there anyone else on offense that? Yeah, we that, need to talk about the offensive line. Darn all right, getting a starting lineup. 
I maintained all offseason that Darnell Wright and Wanya Morris would be day one starters. It took them till the third game to actually start. In a few different positions. But here we are. I was close. Close enough. They I'm giving the, myself credit. They were on the offensive line. That's all that mattered. <laughs> if it were horseshoes, that would have been a really good throw. Yeah, but and I'm you know it's really intriguing that they went with uh, Darnell Wright and Karon Calvert on the right side, or as I described in something I wrote after the game, 660 pounds of beef. Yeah. Uh, a, lot, so, a lot of guys there. <laughs> yes, both 330-pound guys, and um, you know, Calvert had been sort of a, a guard. Now he's playing tackle. I still wonder. I don't. I don't know how good he's going to be in pass protection. That may be what what keeps him sort of. Uh, well, they'll you know they'll have to sort of evaluate and go from there. But but Pruitt talked about after the game with Calvert that he's a guy that they they like, but he's just he, being, he, trying to be consistent. And he had an injury right before the Georgia State game that sort of I think he was he he had his bell rung to get all. Pruitt on you yeah he, he's been a guy uh, who and so that they didn't feel like playing him and he, he was like one of the guys that wasn't in the rotation these first couple of games and then he's starting I know I said this in at one time during preseason camp but I've, I've seen this a couple times now is that I admit that I know very little about offensive line I think most you know very little about most things but yes. offensive line is one of those things and but but I can tell like if a guy's hitting somebody and that guy's moving, I can be like, man, that guy's hitting pretty hard. You can see things like that. And Trey Smith is always the guy on Tennessee's offensive line who stands out when he just really pops somebody. But if there's a guy behind him, the next most impressive guy for me on that list is Calvert. When he really gets his pads correct and he comes at you and hits you, he you can hear the thud. That's a strong guy. He, he can move you. That's not just 330 pounds. That's 330 pounds and a pretty strong guy. He is not the most consistent at times, but when his pad level is where it should be and his motor's running, he can he can move you. And I think he'd probably be a better guard than tackle, but we could say that about 85% probably of the offensive lineman out there. But he's a guy who, uh, you know, if you want a little more physicality, if you want to be able to run the football a little bit better, I think you'd have a chance to, to move the ball behind him. Yeah, and both those guys, I think, are, are two players with a lot of upside in, in, in the eyes of this staff. And, 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 and you want to, in Wanya Morris's case, uh, Jameer Johnson was a little bit banged up. So I, I think if Jameer's healthy, yeah. he's probably Tennessee's starting left tackle. Not to say Wanye won't play. Yeah. He can play both both positions on the left side if needed. Um, but I think if, if Jameer Johnson's fine, I think he'll probably be starting against Florida. But Every time um, he's out there, he's one of the most consistent guys they have. But, yeah, it's just it's they're still trying to, to find uh, what their best lineup is. And, and I think they think Darnell Wright could be one of those guys. And they've had some issues with the right guard spot. They had a couple different guys start there in the first two games, and so uh, that that was a chance, a spot to maybe get him on the field and, and, and in the lineup. So uh, I'm interested to see what they say about it this week. They're not going to tell us if they're going to stick with it for Florida, so we'll just have to wait and see. But uh, I, I think if uh, it wouldn't be a surprise to me if they stuck with those two and, and gave him a shot down in Gainesville. Yeah, I think that, that – Grant, you, do you have anything to add? I think you I think can tell. I think you just need to – the quicker they get to the five, they're going to settle on. Just settle on five. I mean, that's been your that's been your it's, your cry it, for It drives weeks. me insane. I mean, <laughs> I, I know you want depth and you want competitive depth there. They didn't really rotate in the first half, right? But if 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 whatever they jumbled Saturday morning uh, to trot out there against Chattanooga, if that's your five, roll with it. What if 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 that helped you take a step towards finding that five? That's good news. I think it might be that five, but with um, Jameer Johnson at left tackle, I think that might be the. 
I think that might be the the five for a little bit. I could see that being the case. And then and then Karon Cover gives up two sacks in the first quarter against Florida. And he might, there we go back to Marcus Tatum. He might because those Florida they're pretty good. Those Florida defensive linemen. I mean, there there's holes all over that Florida team. We'll talk about that later. But there's always studs on that defense. There's always guys. They've always got. I've always, I call them the Velociraptors off the edge. Guys that just completely wreck your game plan. Uh, guys that are hard to block and. Hey, if you're taking good speed rushers out of Florida every year, you're you're probably getting some 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 good speed rushers, and, and so that's that's a problem, and that's something that Tennessee is going to have to to worry about going into the week. But you know, if at the end of the day, if they know that they don't really want to put this thing on Garantano and say we want him to throw the ball 30 plus times every single game, if you don't want that to be your offense, then you're going to have to run the ball. And if you're going to do that, I think it makes sense to have Calvert in there because he's a guy who can move some people. He's a guy who, to me, gives you a little bit more thump in the running game. And I think they want to run the ball because I think Garantano is a better play action passer than he is just straight drop backs. That's probably very true. Are we ready to talk about defensive guys? I think so because we're gonna we're gonna let you go with Mr. Memphis at the beginning. Because no, no. You're, oh, you're, you're not gonna go with Mr. Memphis first. Is this not gonna be the all Elijah all the time segment? <laughs> no, that we could do a whole podcast on that. Grant, I was gonna on. I was gonna start with uh, Toto to- to- and be like, he's good. Yeah, I think News we kind of knew that a little bit. <laughs> he's you know? flash. Henry um, Toto. Uh, if you watch film, he's one of the most consistent players they have you, on that. You want to talk about wrecking a game plan? He wrecked Chattanooga's first series. Just. Run blitz up the middle, five yard loss, break up a slant. Yeah, I think he, I think he could be a guy that that really benefits from having Daniel Batuli back out there because Batuli can handle getting everybody else lined up, and, and he, can, Henry, he can free up. Yeah, and Hank can to- just go to- play to- ball. A bit. Yeah, you can tell you can tell Toto to go bless the rains in Africa and go hit quarterbacks. I mean that that's you can let him go. Did, you want, ball. did you want me to talk about Jeremy Banks? I thought you might want to. I thought that would be where you started. Old sticky fingers. <laughs> Pruitt's line after the game. Still cracks me up. That was a good one. That was a good one when he said that <laughs> the first guy got him. First guy tackled him. And, and the back running back supposed to make a guy miss. Yeah, the backstory there is that Jeremy Banks is a guy who probably is a good enough player that he could play on either side of the ball at the SEC level. I think there's more upside at defense, but regardless, he could be a pretty decent player at either position. Um, but the bottom line is he will play either spot, but he wants to be a running back. Jeremy Pruitt likes to let guys play where they want to play, uh, which which all good coaches do. But he really kind of wants Banks to be a linebacker and thinks that he could be a really, really good one. And, you know, I, I think the way he played Saturday, that's why I kept asking people that question. Do you think maybe after a game like that where he picks off two passes, we'll let him see, hmm, maybe I, maybe I could be a pretty good linebacker. Yeah, and Pruitt on fall calls last week said that, that Banks could be one of the best linebackers he's ever coached, which I don't know if you've seen the list of guys he's coached at linebacker. Staggering. But it's pretty good. Pretty good uh, linebacker group. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 – that's high praise. It's very, very high praise. And, and for Banks, um, you, you kind of wonder why we talk about him so much and why Jeremy Pruitt gets asked about him a lot because he talks him up so much. And we're, and we're waiting to see this guy sort of back up the talk. Um, and, you know, got in there, made a couple plays. And I think a couple other guys that, that stood out to me late in the game in the secondary were, were Jalen McCullough. Uh, the staff is yeah. really high on him. Um, he, he didn't look like a guy that – he looked like he kind of knew where he was supposed to be. He moves pretty well for a big for a big safety. And, and he played, uh, he played at the star position first, and then moved back to safety because they were going with uh, Trayvon Flowers and Theo Jackson at safety for I think most of the third quarter, and then they moved uh, McCullough back there. Uh, had a, I think he had a pass breakup, had a tackle for loss, just um, very versatile kind of guy, a guy that down the road maybe you know 
you know, Nigel Warrior leaves. Maybe he's your he steps in next season uh, to kind of battle Flowers and Theo Jackson for some starting jobs. There. And you can see that he's kind of a smart, mature kid. That he's one you put out there on the field. You feel like you can you can trust that kid. Yeah, and, and I think Grant, didn't you cover his commitment? I did. Tank. Tank. Do you have anything to add? Do you have any insight to add from Tank? Is uh, <laughs> just a thumper. I mean, just put him on the field and watch him thump. I don't think he's it just matters a football if he's player, a corner. Right? Yeah, he he is a guy that very much fits the. Uh, the Jeremy Pruitt mold. The thing with Jeremy Banks that I'm disappointed about, where's the cowboy collar? That thing he busted out against South Carolina last year on the road, if you remember, that thing was as yes. tall as his helmet. Yeah. Built backboard. Yes. How is this guy playing <laughs> linebacker without the backboard? The old, Ma- back the old Madden 2014, eight-foot-tall cowboy yes. collar that yes. was so phenomenal. You're, yeah. not, you're not going down with that Mount Everest on your back. I, I think it, 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 to me, it is... There were a couple guys. One, Tyus Fields was one who yeah, Peru talked I, him up I, after the game because I didn't. I didn't. I mean, I wasn't. I guess I. I wasn't paying enough attention to the couple play. He couple plays he was out there doing some things, but he didn't really, you know, kind of catch my eye right during the game. But then after Pruitt said that, I went back and, and watched a little bit. And I went, hmm, I can see what he's talking about. Uh, that kid did, and this is a kid who uh, came in as a pretty pretty good prospect, and he's a guy who. Uh, was kind of I don't want to say disappointing because it's the first camp the kids ever had, but you know he didn't really move the needle much in preseason camp. But he goes out there in a game and and okay, he goes out there and does some good things. So you know what? If they say game reps really show you what somebody can do, well, that then that that that, that kid can play a little bit. That goes back to that preseason example that Pruitt talked about, where he's like, we got guys that know what to do and know where to be, but they don't make the plays, and we got guys that don't really know what to do or where to line up, but they make plays. And that's an example of that Fields just see ball, go get ball. You know, you can't really coach some of that, some of those instincts like that. And Fields is a guy that, you know, we've sort of had questions about. He didn't practice in the spring, uh, had an ankle injury. He doesn't look like a safety. He looks more like a corner or maybe a slot yeah. nickel guy. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you know, I mean, for Pruitt to point him out just like that after the game is, uh, that's that's a, maybe a good sign for him. And maybe he's a guy that gets involved a little bit more on special teams too. Same for McCullough. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they got, they got. There's a reason the, this coaching staff is really excited about a lot of these guys. And you saw a couple of. And they're just having to be patient and you know not put too much on them too soon. Yeah, and I, I think that we need to mention too before we step away for break. I, I think there's a couple other guys who did some things, but we don't need to forget the fact that Alante Taylor did not start that football game. Uh, Kenneth George Jr. went out there and, and started. Who had a, an interesting off, solid had an interesting off season, but he went out there and looked pretty solid. I mean, he's he's you know physical well put together for a cornerback and i didn't see him really getting dusted too much and and you know chattanooga did, does have a guy a, a wide receiver who had some just ridiculous games last season a guy who puts up a ton of numbers bryce and, nunnally is the yeah, name and he did not do well i didn't think a lot of tennessee fans would know the kid's name i think he's from i think he played at walker valley yeah and he down there he just made a bunch of plays last year and hardly did anything against tennessee got involved in the run game a little bit maybe caught one pass he didn't do much of anything, and so Tennessee's corners had to do a pretty decent job on him. Yeah, and, and we'll, I'll be interested to see uh, what Pruitt says. I'm sure he'll get asked this week because he didn't gasp about half the game. Uh, is Kenneth George starting at corner, is that more what he did or what Alante Taylor did against BYU? Was it a demotion or did a guy get promoted? What's interesting is I think Taylor played a more solid it's, game overall against BYU than Burrell did, but you know the big play was the, Taylor's mistake. It's probably a little bit of both, and it was probably the same way with with Trayvon Flowers and Theo Jackson. That lineup changed from Georgia State to BYU. Flowers had a few busts and against Georgia State, and uh, but Theo's you know worked hard and uh, and done a good job, and as just kind of as Pruitt said last week, just kind of does what the coaching staff tells him to do, um, and so. 
Uh, I'm interested to see how they answer that. And obviously the other situation at corners with Bryce Thompson coming back to practice. We talked a lot about that last week. Um, but when does he get back on the field? Is he going to play against Florida? Well, we don't know at this point. But, um, it, yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see if that was a, a demotion or a, or a promotion, if that makes sense. It probably doesn't make sense. No, it, no, Grant, does it, it make makes sense? sense to me. I'll be the judge. That's I, all I need to know. I, I, I think he, You want to talk about Elijah Simmons now? He just listen. He's, he he he's big. He looks good in his uniform when he's out there running around hitting dudes. What what else do you want from a defensive lineman? Just he's just you know what he just he he can he can move you. He can move you. Area fifty one remains one of the best nicknames ever tagged onto a player. It's it's pretty solid. Just be patient, people. Yeah, I think give he, it time. He's a guy who, you know, it's funny because because this know, poor guy if he doesn't turn into like. The Allen Trophy winner, people are going to be disappointed. But, you know, it's funny because you, you, think, you think about guys who are kind of built like him, and, and those defensive linemen, those nose guards have kind of – they've not really been phased out of the game, but but they you don't see nearly as many of them, except for Kentucky, because Kentucky has – I think Kentucky's two top nose guards are like 360 and 365. They're just enormous human beings. But in general, you're not seeing a lot of those kind of fire hydrant type guys anymore. Well, he, he's old school like that, and he, he's he's going to sit on the nose, and, and he's going to push you. And, and, yeah, and he's got some quickness to him, but that's never going to be his game. I mean, he's going to be a guy who's out there kind of being big and hitting people. And, and I think he's a guy who you, you get him, especially when you look at his what his weight room numbers are already, you, you think about what that guy could do down the road, and, and, and he could he could be hard to handle. If you, if you see some of those kind of small, compact – those shorter fire hydrant type build guys there at nose guard, they can be hard to deal with. Kingston Harris, another young guy that, that, that's been on the scout team with Simmons yeah. uh, and, and got some run. And, and we got, we got to talk about number six too, because we get awesome. We get asked about JJ Peterson just about daily. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the floor on that one. You're the JJ Peterson beat writer. <laughs> I chose this life. You, hey, you <laughs> walked into it. It's there. It's yours now. Uh, yeah. I mean, he played most of the second half. Uh, I don't think he looked, didn't look like he ever got winded. So I think we can, I think we can throw the conditioning thing out of the out of the. Uh, Still could look a little nah, better in his uniform, but I'm not yeah. saying I'm not. It doesn't matter how you look; it matters how you play. Well, it's official. JJ is back. Actually, oh. he's here. <laughs> yes. He's not back. He's just here. He had a he had a hit on the quarterback. On he the did. I saw a picture of it too. He was extended. Everything you know, kind of looked good. Moral of the story: He could run rough shot over the SoCon. <laughs> when you gotta get the SoCon. See, again, you keep going. You were the one who said we had to keep this thing positive in the, the very beginning here. I'm just Grant. doing my part. And now Mr. you're... Positivity, now that's a positive I just, statement. I'm just, I'm just saying that guy's basically a freshman. He's not going to play a lot on defense right now because they've got, they've got some other options that they like better at this point. But, you know, I mean, he's got some things to do but that he's got Never gotta, say never. Before we go to break, I do want to mention Roman I wasn't Harrison done too. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Ouch. Go ahead. I thought we were. Done. I, I, I thought that was the JJ talk he, was I mean, exhausting. He, he's got some things to do to, to get to where where he's a factor defensively and, and more than just mop up duty. But uh, I mean, it, it it should benefit him. It should benefit a lot of these guys to finally have game film to look at. And, and Garantano pointed this out about Maurer and Trout to circle back to the quarterbacks. Up to this point, they've only had practice tape to evaluate. Now they can go in a game and 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 go based off that and have some snaps to to look at there. So there, that could be beneficial for uh, for a lot of guys. Now, you man, want to talk about Roman? Yeah, because he's a guy who you know, and we need to mention this too. Crouch is a yeah. guy who, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Crouch is a is a guy who, every time he's out there, he's running full speed and causing some damage. And he's around the ball. Yeah. He is. He has been menacing quarterbacks 
basically the entire time he's been out there. So that's something to, to keep an eye on because if you want someone to kind of book in there with Taylor at times and give you another pass rusher, he's a guy who can do some things. Harrison's another guy who, you know what, he's just not going to be that 260-pound guy. That's just not who he is. Uh, you know, he, he's not a 6'5", 270 edge rusher type. He's not one of those freaks. But he's a guy who got there and was able to do some things in the game. He was able to play a little bit more in this game. And I, I like the way he looked. I, I thought he was out there, you know, he had four tackles. He was around the ball a little bit. Uh, it's hard not to get excited about the future for him and Crouch because they're both just guys who are, I think, look like kind of natural football players. Hey, y'all don't want to talk about how buff he is, Roman Harrison? That's the buff hamster. There's only one buff That's hamster. That's the legit the buff, dude. Y'all never want to talk about how buff he is, though. Uh, but, it, he's, I mean, you can. We haven't even brought want. up Tim Jordan and Grant over here. Just shook. Triggered. Yeah, who 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 was it? Who, who, his, his fist is balled up right now. Who was yes. it? Who was it that had the most yards per carry in Saturday? Oh, that's right. It was it was hamster. It, it was, was the, the normal sized running back. It was Jordan. It was the buff hamster. Yeah, I, I think that that you can see why they're so excited about both it, those edge rusher types. It, and, they're guys who are going to help them. And Pruitt said after the week after the Georgia State game that hey, these guys are making plays everywhere in practice, and they are getting close. And it seems like they've backed up their word about those guys playing more. Um, and, and I think that will continue as they sort of they go. They're kind of going by committee right now at outside linebacker, outside of Daryl Taylor. But yeah. but those guys, I think, are slowly starting to like those two guys, and maybe Kavon Bennett are going to be the maybe their guys there at that position as the season goes on. Anybody else that y'all wanted to mention before we step away for break? Come back talk a little Gators. I think we're good. We good, Grant? Check. I mean, I've, I've been trying. We've been trying to get you to Let's shut get up to the for ads. like an hour now. So to Texas size ten four West. Finally watching the greatest show on television. I'm so proud of you. Give them water and they grow up. Going to go pay some bills, do some ads, products, services, in-house ads, all kinds of that stuff. Let's not even talk about bamboo. Let, yeah, let's come back. need more than water, but yes, keep going. Let's come back and talk about uh, Derek Dooley for a while. No, just kidding. We're going to talk about Florida. Hashtag. Uh... eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown, Grant Ramey, the fun squad from GoVols 24-7, coming to you here from Fort Rucker Studio. Wishing everyone a happy Monday morning. Hopefully you don't have a case of the Mondays today, but if you do... You'll get your bucket for saying something like that. We understand that. Yeah, go down to my go down to Rawhide's job, job site and say something like that and see what happens to you. That quote, accurate. Accurate. I can tell you that much. That wasn't a, that wasn't a documentary, but that was a very fact-based quote from that movie. I can tell you that. Guys, we're uh, going to talk about the Gators. We're going to have to because that game, uh, we talked about this a little bit in the first segment. Uh, Florida did go to a, a pretty uh, raucous uh, 
environment there in Lexington, the house formerly known Kroger and, Field, and baby. forever known to me as Commonwealth Stadium. I don't care. You can call it whatever you want. To me, it's Commonwealth Stadium. It's like the guy with the wrestling. It's still Commonwealth Stadium to me. Yeah, but basically, Florida went up there and does what Florida has done for years. Except uh, last year. Uh, and not, not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about in that. I'm talking about Florida in general and SEC East games traditionally has gone out there when it has not played well and it has found a way to win games. Uh, but that there could be some consequences for that going forward. We know that Florida coach Dan Mullen is a quarterback whisperer. You can say what you will about the guy. He is so awkward all the time. But you know what? He's a good football coach. And uh, he never really wins the offseason. But once the season starts going, the guy finds a way to get wins. And with Felipe Franks done uh, for, I would imagine, the season with what looks like a pretty pretty nasty injury there that you just will not want to go back and watch unless you're kind of a morbid, unless you got a problem unless you got a, unless you're a morbid human being. Uh, but they go you need to they go back yourself. out there. You know what? The good old fashioned senior backup quarterback. We he's never see that junior. anymore. Richard Junior. Trask. Yeah, uh, he seems like he's like forty five years old. I think he's a white shirt Junior. <laughs> Regardless, a guy who had not played a ton of football. Uh, goes out there and boom, he leads them. What was it, 19 points? I think uh, there toward the end of the game that they got w- when something like yeah. that when Franks went out and they, well, on one of the touchdowns, he just handed the ball off. They storm from and behind, poof. and that guy still did the wrong thing. He should have just gone down, but that's okay. Uh, it's easy to tell a kid that it's one thing for him to actually do it. Pretty sure he burned a lot of people in Vegas too. Yeah, yeah, he did. Depending on um, but depending on where you got that game, if that's your kind of thing. That is a game that you can make an argument that Florida did not have a tremendous amount of business winning, but it goes up there, gets the win. But this is a team we have said this time and time again uh, the last few years about these Florida teams. They come into this game with with a high ranking, and they don't always maybe deserve it. But they're right there. They're undefeated, and you can only play who you have in front of you. And so far, they've beaten a couple of pretty decent teams. And if you're Tennessee and you want to be thinking positive this week, you can think that uh, Florida has played three football games this season. They were pretty fortunate to win two of them. That's accurate. They played not a they played a really bad football game against Miami. They just Miami was just did. a little bit worse. Yeah, they were ugh, uh, It looked like a football game on August 24th. Exactly. Because it was a football game on August 24th. <laughs> exactly. And and Kentucky they were playing with a backup quarterback too. I mean, that that was a game that they had seemed to have under control. Uh and and the question is did Florida win that game or did Kentucky lose it? Cuz again, Wildcats still had a chance to kick a, a relatively reasonably makeable field goal. Yes. To win the game. Because uh, and, and and that would have been only been and, a game tying field goal, but and, Florida did, went for two when it didn't have to. And, and Florida in the Miami game, I mean, there was a pass interference just about in the end zone late in that game. Yeah, that they picked the flag up on where you know other teams might not have been so fortunate. That was the very so definition of a fifty fifty. If you are if you're Tennessee and you're thinking, hey, we got a, we got a chance, that's what you're thinking about. The flip side of that is is. First of all, the backup QB corollary. Tennessee has a what a pretty bad track record with backup quarterbacks. Start, go, this, going back to Rohan Davey, it's, this, not, it's not been good ever since. This has been all over our message board in the past since the game. And oh, it's, no, and Florida's it's, backup and it's quarterback. It's not only Kyle Trask. It's, it's, it's uh, Emory Jones. It's Emory Jones, gonna, and are they going to rotate those guys? We're going to make them look like Heisman winners. Right. I mean, Florida has beaten uh, – well, there was one game down there, or there are two games down there. It was the Tyler Murphy game when Driscoll got hurt. That might have been, that that like the, been the only game I'm thinking Second of. drive of the game. And then, no, Treon Harris, too. That was the other one. Yep. He came, he, yeah. And that so, was the 9 to nothing game or whatever it yes, was. Yes, that, that Butch Jones choked away. 10-9 to um, game. And so, yeah, you're wondering, you know, Kyle Trask has, I think, 40 career pass attempts in four seasons. So 
if you're Tennessee, if you're Tennessee's coaching staff, you should be licking your chops thinking, hey, we got a guy that hasn't played a lot of football. We're going to give up a bunch of weird looks. But if you're Florida, you're thinking they don't know anything about this guy. We're going to throw in all these wrinkles. We might throw Emory Jones in there to run, you know, do some quarterback run stuff. So, and then there's also the fact that Tennessee has a horrific track record recently against Florida. They just have found ways to lose this game. Correct. Whether that be in the last minute, Mike Abernathy taking a couple steps the wrong way and getting beat deep, whether that's imploding with six turnovers and fumbling through the back of the end zone and all that stuff from last season, they just they find ways. It's almost like they see the Gators on the side of the helmet and they freak out. Special teams touchdowns over the years. Yeah, it's, just, it's been that way. Uh, I mean, we're going to have some stuff this week counting down you know, Tennessee's best wins against Florida. There aren't that many to choose from recently. No, That's just the, pretty much the reality. All, pretty much all of them. I mean, yeah, just pick pick the last five, and there you go. There's your, there's your list. So um, can Tennessee sort of get past whatever mental block there legitimately might seem to be that comes against them, comes up against them when they, when they play the Florida Gators? That's a big question. They should go into this game thinking they have nothing to lose, though. No, to your first points, I don't see how they're the number nine team in the country. They're talented. They're a better football team than Tennessee, top to bottom. They're in a better situation. Number nine, I think, was what they were going to Kentucky. I don't know what they are now. I don't know what they'll be Monday when the when the AP poll comes out. Kind of hard to drop somebody after a road loss against a decent right, team. But. Right, right. And I just I don't know. It, it just it just seems like an early season ranking where you can't really make a whole lot of sense out of it because you're just trying to take a stab in the preseason to rank these teams. Uh, but they are probably you know top to bottom a, a much better football team than Tennessee but into Pat's second point this this thing that just keeps bugging Tennessee against Florida it, at some point it's got to stop and it's going to stop it's just because there's so many I mean these players the guys that are on roster these coaches multiple staffs now uh this kind of I don't it's not a curse I don't know what you would call it against Florida it, 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 to me, it is the it way is, they tend to wet the bed sometimes. Tennessee hopes to beat Florida. Florida expects to beat Tennessee. That, to me, is the storyline of that and it's series. And the same way with Tennessee so and Kentucky. Long. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, it would make sense if this was, you know, an NFL roster made up of a lot of guys that have been here eight, nine years. But it's a turnover of players so much over the last, what is it, one for the last 14. And how many coaches. Uh, have turned over in that span. It just doesn't make sense. And eventually they're going to get over uh, that mental block and, and get past it. And basically all it's it's going to take is to go down there and win when somebody doesn't expect you to win. Here's my, my biggest concern for Tennessee going into this game. Actually, there's two things. One is the, the, the unknown factors of going against uh, – you, you have years and years of going back and looking at Dan Mullen tape. You know what he likes to do offensively. So – and Pruitt is, has gone against him for a long time there uh, with Bama playing Mississippi State every season there for a while. So so he, he knows this guy's offense. He does not know exactly what they will want to do with the quarterback or quarterbacks they have at their disposal in that game. Because it's one thing if you go into a game thinking Franks is going to go the whole way and then you bring in Trask and, and you try to do the same stuff. It, that's a completely different thing from from going into a week knowing that you have a whole week to plan with a guy, and, and so it, or, or with guys, and, and that could be uh, could be a, a different thing. But but to me, this is always the biggest concern. To me, is the glass jaw that this Tennessee football program has right now. And it sounds weird to say that because Pruitt's a guy who has done nothing but win pretty much almost his entire football life, and, and now. He's trying to correct a culture at Tennessee 
where for a while now, there has been a glass jaw in this program. And what we know is when you go on the road, you go down to Gainesville, at some point, I don't care how well you're playing, I don't care how well the game starts, at some point, you're going to get an uppercut right right there. You're going to get right, right in the chin. You're going to take a big shot. And you know that. And the crowd's going to go crazy, and people are going to start going, you know, jumping up and down. And I have very little faith in this Tennessee team to not collapse when that happens. Because we've seen this. Uh, they, they took a situation against BYU where they let one really bad mental mistake, and then in overtime they were just cooked, it seemed like almost. And against Georgia State, when they realized, oh, no, this is a game, they panicked again. They have got to be composed. And I thought that maybe last year going down to Auburn winning that game – I thought maybe that could, if not be a sea change, that could at least be a moment where you saw things start to change. Maybe these guys thought, okay, these guys are human. It'll be fine. It, but, but then we've seen that again this season, that they just, when things do not go their way, they do not have the culture put back in place in this program for them to rally around each other in the huddle and take a deep breath, shake it off, and go make plays and go win a game. You have to do that. And that's not something that's really this team's biggest strength. And I wonder when that game starts to turn, whether it's in the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, whenever it is, will they be able to withstand it? Surely I'm not the only person thinking that, am I? No. No. I mean, yeah, you're 100% right. It's, it's got to it's gotta happen at some point. And, and whatever, you know, it, it doesn't feel the same when they go to Auburn as a bigger underdog and win because it's not the that – you know, that Florida helmet on the other side of the ball. And it's it's just, I don't know, it's it's something about this game at this point in the season over the years that's it's just been a nightmare. And and for Tennessee to kind of move past it, uh, you got to start winning those games. I mean, regardless of how many games Jeremy Pruitt wins at Tennessee, how long he's here, whatever happens, uh, whoever's the head coach here at some point, you're going to have to start beating Florida at least – you know, not regularly, but every now and then you're going to have to beat Georgia every now and then. I mean, these are the people you're competing with. How many, how many years in a row they lost to Alabama? How many, you know, what's the streak against Georgia over the last, you know, 10, 15 years? The, the numbers are what they are against Florida. Uh, I mean, these are, these are the guys you're competing against every single day. And at some point it's going to have to start to turn around. And, and whether that's this year, next year, two years, whatever, uh, Tennessee fans are, I don't know how they have patience at this point, but clearly they they do because they, they keep uh, coming to the stadium. Well, when you think about Tennessee teams that have gone down to Gainesville and won, uh, you had sort of a superhuman performance um, by Travis Stevens. Uh, you had uh, basically a quarterback in Casey Clawson who just did nothing but win road games throughout his college football career, basically. You know, th- those teams that have gone down there, even when they weren't great teams – they had a couple of players. I think Josh Dobbs' 2015 game down there deserved a much better finish oh, than he got. Oh, for sure. Yeah. When he led did. the team in rushing, passing, and receiving. It did. That was another kind of classic. Shout out down, to Butch. Kind of letdown, classic classic Tennessee Florida letdown there. But I, I just, to me, those teams that have that have beaten Florida down there have been teams that won. Well, I mean, they were better teams than this one. But, but also, um, they just had that ability they had some of that leadership they had some of those kind of cool heads you know that they, they were able to withstand punches to the jaw and they were able to get up and fight again and make plays and 
that's something that Tennessee's got to do. And that's something not just for the Florida series, but for the entire program, um, just on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. But it especially matters in this game because everyone knows this history. And every year we hear the same thing. We hear the same thing. We hear people say, oh, it's haven't played Florida yet this year. Who knows, you know? It doesn't matter. What, what, who, who cares about the past? Whatever. It doesn't matter. Look, you know, in any game, any Saturday is a completely different. Okay, blah, 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 blah. We've, we've heard it. We know it's not true. We know it's not. Because if it keeps happening, again, with different coaches, with different players, it, it's until Tennessee proves that it can go out there and play Florida and not do a bunch of dumb crap that it doesn't do the rest of the season. It's maybe, just maybe, words. Maybe they've already had their dumb crap game. Maybe they or, just got it out of the or way. Or a couple of them. Maybe they just got it out of the way early. I mean, they you, have to you, understand. You, you, you'd want to hope so. They have to understand this is, if you're trying to rewrite your season, this is the game where it gets rewritten. Even if you lose, if, if you're competitive uh, and you play Florida really tight down to the wire, even if it is another game where uh, it leaves you kind of scratching your head how they lost, uh, at least being competitive in that environment against that opponent, uh, maybe sets the table for, you know, something better down the road. I mean, obviously Mississippi State looks pretty vulnerable against Kansas State. they got to come to Knoxville, and, you know, you got to play Georgia and Alabama, and that is what it is, and, and South Carolina comes later later on in the year, all that stuff. But uh, at some point, man, uh, if, if this team's going to kind of turn something around and actually show some life over the last uh, what's left, nine games, uh, this is a really good opportunity to start that. Look at you staying on point there with the whole Tennessee, you know, writing the book thing. They, I'm that, all that, positive. That's been one of their. That's been one of their. Did their you hear the positivity and excitement in his voice? Yes, they've been. They've been doing that. They've been doing that all year. Doing that whole writing the book thing. That's what they're just kind of stumbled over those first couple chapters. Well, I mean, you know, they can't all be winners. There's still a lot of blank pages left. Don't right? judge the book by the cover or the first two chapters. Once you get to the third chapter, some books, some movies, they start out real slow, settle in, then they get good. What is it that Bob Ross always said? No mistakes. Happy accidents. Just happy accidents, man. And an afro. I think that's a pretty good place to leave it. Guys, thanks for, for tuning in this week. We'll be back again by no later than Thursday, I suppose, because uh, we're going to do our Thursday morning episode. If, if something comes up before then where we need to have a breaking news podcast, as always, we will bring that to you. But for now, guys, it's a win. It's a win. And you know what? Here's big, big news. This podcast always wins, by the way. We are going to have a really big special uh, on the site this week, and we're going to get to that. We're going to talk a lot about that throughout the week. You're going to hear about it in the next podcast, too. Uh, got to buy one, get three, I believe, right now going on right now, guys. Uh, so I this think it's is, a buy one, get two. Buy one, get two. I spoke. I, miss, I misspoke. So you get three for the price of one. I can't read my own handwriting. Buy one, get two months free. Normally, it's just, it's just you know that whole, hey, there's nothing wrong with the good like free trial, but this is... Basically, you get the you, you pay ten dollars get the rest of the football season and the start of basketball season. Uh, I don't know if it gets all the way to the uh, early signing period. I think it comes up just short of that if my math is correct. Maybe that's why we did it two months. I was and not told three. there would be no math. <laughs> <laughs> math sucks. Who wants to do that? But we'll have one of those right now on the site. You can go there, goball247.com. You can get to all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker, 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown, 24-7. Grant Ramey, who is not a team player, is just Grant Ramey on Twitter. And Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan, 24-7 on Twitter. You can also find all of us on Twitter. Uh, just the work stuff, not any of our personal stuff there at uh, twitter.com slash govals247. Or you can go to facebook.com slash govals247, where Grant does an awesome job with that stuff. Or if you want to go straight from the hose, you want to drink it just straight from the source, straight from the hose, the pure, crisp mountain water. 
go to GoVols247.com. Or right now, again, guys, right now, for this week, you can buy one month, get two months free. It's a really good deal. It's one of the best ones we throw out throughout the year. This is a good time to do it. This is a good time to, to check it out. And hey, guys, it's Tennessee, Florida week. Forget the past and forget everything we just talked about there in the last 20 minutes. It's Tennessee, Florida week. Try to get excited a little bit. Pat, you got any final thoughts? Braves. <laughs> <laughs>